Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well-being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout, I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well-being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. That makes the difference between CEOs, leaders, entrepreneurs is the mindset. So we, my, um, I like to make things that are very complex, very big into things that are simple and easier to understand. And especially when it comes to mindset and the psychology of success, there's a lot, there's a lot to do with it. Right. And, um, so in my book, the greatness game, I just focus on the concept between the difference between smallness and greatness. And really, it boils down to this. We have both sides in us. We're born with both. We're both, right, that smallness side that keeps us small and safe. And it's all about comfort zone and not going to scary places, um, right? And then our greatness that knows our highest potential, that keeps calling us to do big things and big dreams. And we toggle in between, but... If you don't understand the psychology of what's going on is, you know, we want that big dream. We want to take our business and scale it and make a huge impact and make a lot of money and whatever your goals are, but it's, it gets very uncomfortable. It gets very uncomfortable in the greatness game and see, here's the difference is the people that step out of their smallness, that comfort zone, and they start making thinking and acting and um, doing decisions from that greatness place, it gets uncomfortable real quick. I feel and, that. <laughs> right? It, it's just really quick. And what most people do will go right back into what they know, what they're a master of and that smallness, right? It's like, oh, my business is fine. <laughs> just how it is, it's fine. And they live in that for a while. And then they're like, no, but I have a big dream. I have this big, right thing that I want to do. And they step out again and it gets really uncomfortable and they go back to smallness. Here's the invitation. Stay where it's uncomfortable, right? It's that phrase, be comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? Get comfortable yes. in the uncomfortable. So it's how the game becomes, how can I get comfortable being really uncomfortable and staying out here and playing greatness games 
bold, courageous leadership in my business when it's really uncomfortable and not run back to that smallness, the safety of the smallness. Mm. So that's the concept is creating those greatness games, having the courage to step out, but staying out there and getting just really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh, I love that. We call that a uh, distress tolerance skills. <laughs> yes. A little therapy speak to it. Yeah, it's so true. I, I feel that get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I love how you said too, like you will want to revert back to that smallness space. Keep pushing in, keep leaning into it. You know, we have a lot of people on this show who listen in 20s, 30s. And I find part of that smallness mindset is being really worried of how People will judge you, including those people from high school or college that you don't even talk to anymore, that, but that people are going to judge you. Who do you think you are? Um, I'd be very worried that people will perceive you as cocky and things like that. What, what advice do you have for somebody who might be struggling with that smallness mindset in particular? Well, I think that's a really big one. So you bring up such a, not just in your 20s and 30s, you know, the the idea of being judged and the idea of uh, comparing, especially in social media, you, <laughs> you see everyone and they see you. So yes. here is a little phrase that has helped me, um, has helped a lot of my clients. And that is this, every master was once a disaster. <laughs> yes. So in the, in the go, go, when you start to leave your smallness games, and you start to stretch and you start to say, you know what, I'm going to start to play these greatness games. And then the, the uncomfortable feelings come in, right? And part of that being uncomfortable is what you're talking to is I feel really vulnerable. I feel everyone watching me. Oh my gosh, I feel like a little bit of a disaster. Here's the thing, that tolerance of failing forward. If you don't build that tolerance of of, okay, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to fail forward and then I'm going to fail forward and then I'm going to get it a little bit more and then I'm going to get it and then boom, I'm going to master it, right? If you don't have that, the second something looks like you're failing or tripping, you run back to safety. It's just our DNA. We run back to that safety, that smallness. What you know we're saying is stay out. It. I know it feels vulnerable. It feels scary, but building the muscle to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I am going to be judged out there. Mm -hmm. I, but I'm going to, I'm going to promise myself to fail forward and I'm going to learn and I'm going to know better and do better, know better, do better. And that is the journey of the master, right? The master, you're mastering this new level of revenue in maybe you're going from 1 million to 2 million or 500,000 and hitting your first million. You might go, be going from 20 million and now you have your eyes on 50 million. You know, all those levels have a new, new devil, new mm -hmm. level, new devil, new level, new devil. And those ch challenges, those big challenges are what scare us back <laughs> to that lower level and that smallness. So one, be knowing that the journey is going to take some vulnerability, some uncertainty, some uncomfortable ability, right? Being uncomfortable and being okay with that being the journey because you're going to fail forward and you're going to learn 
and you're going to know better. And, and you're going to all of a sudden arrive at this new level and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I did it. I got to that next level. And it builds confidence for them, the next level, mm. right? And confidence is built in action not in thinking about things. We don't just think and build confidence, think. No, it's action, build confidence, action. So I just encourage, I encourage everybody listening, you know, that big courageous move that you're thinking about doing in your business, make it. That's where you get the practice and that's where you get the confidence is through action. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I always say with imposter syndrome, the best way to overcome it is to actually take the behaviors, take the action and show yourself you can do it, you know? Oh my gosh, this phrase, new level, new devil, that's going to stick with me. That's that's powerful. I'm wondering, you know, we go, we achieve these levels, we fail forward. I love all this. What do we do though when it feels endless. We keep pushing ourselves and then we get to this place of burnout. Or mm. if you're like me, maybe you, you get to a place where it's nine at night and you're like, I feel guilty resting. Or I like, I'll ask my husband, is it okay? I'm done working for the day. And it's like, what the heck? I do not need to ask for permission to take the uh, nine o'clock in the day. That's ridiculous. Um, but you know, I, I don't think I'm unique in that, in that we feel like we just have to do, do, do not be, be, be. How do we also balance the self-care and the slowing down as we are trying to keep growing and moving forward? Such a good question that not a lot of people ask. Um, and I think it's one of the most important conversations that we can have inside of leadership and business. And um, I learned it the hard way. I started my first business at 24, won awards, building. I built in, you know, the, the hustle, the 16, 17 hour hustle days. And I like wanted a trophy. I was so proud of my long days. I was, it, it was like this badge, this badge of hustle, right? And um, it, it caught up to me. And it caught up to me in the form of a minor stroke at 27. And, you know, whether it might be a disease or a death or a divorce or something that's pretty devastating that has to show us <laughs> what we're doing wrong, right? I bought into the myths of entrepreneurship that I believed that you had to work 15 hours a day to get ahead. You had to have this level of success. You had to, you know, I just so many beliefs that I was buying into that almost killed me. Mm. So, um, so I actually wrote an article in Entrepreneur Magazine called Is Your Business Killing You? And really, that's the question that I bring to everybody listening is, is your business killing you? Is it killing your marriage or relationships? Is it killing your soul? Like you want to do it, but your soul's just dying, right? So that mind, body, and spirit is the most important, especially if you're a business owner, if you're mm -hmm. an owner, you're the fuel of your business. You are the fuel. You are the biggest asset to your business. So like a car or anything that needs to stay fueled to work effectively, you have to stay fueled. So for all my clients, it's a requirement in my coaching practice, every CEO that I uh, coach, they have to have a self-care plan. 
just like a business plan and a marketing plan, we have a self-care plan. Mm -hmm. So I would say to anybody listening, whether you're a leader, you're an employee, it doesn't matter if you're a human being having a self-care plan. And this is my structure for it is you have daily, you have weekly and you have monthly Mm. and they are commitments. They're things that you're committing to on a daily basis, a weekly basis and a monthly basis Mm. that keep you two things that keep you two things. One relaxed, right? We, we want some relaxing, some down energy, downtime in our life right? We need margins. We need boundaries. We need to sleep in. We need good sleep, right? Anything that's going to fuel you down and relax you. But the second thing is just as important. And that is refueling. Mm. So identifying like live music for me is a big refueling. I love, man, when I see live music, it fuels my creativity and my innovation. I always get brilliant ideas, right? So some people it's golf, some people it's reading, whatever your thing that you might have one or two or three awesome things that refuel you and you just feel activated and you're like, Ooh, I got another great idea or this creativity thing came to me. So that's self-care plan in short has a, a, a commitment of daily, weekly and monthly, and it has things on it that relax you and things that refuel you. And when you commit to that, what you're committing to is a whole another level of leadership, of focus, of creativity, of revenue. It changes everything. It's the one thing that can change everything in your leadership and your business. So big, big advocate of self-care plan. I'm right there with you. It is so, so important. And, you know, I think self-care helps us look at our success in a different way. You know, I, I'm almost 32 now. And, you know, I think so much of my success in my mind has been defined as like, all right, the next academic achievement, this many followers, I'm making a gag face there, (laughs) get this amount of money, you know, all these different things you know, you get to these things, sometimes it's a bucket with a hole in it. It's not necessarily fulfilling. It can be. But you know, I think we really have to look at our values and realize it's not just about the achievement piece, you know, the the self care, the value may be having quality time with with your family and your friends, you know, things that you can't check a box off with. Um, And I wonder if you see that in your practice with clients too, that maybe we're starting to redefine success that it's not just about the bottom line we're making or or the title that you get, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've been now an entrepreneur for almost 26 years and it has changed. I think the narrative of entrepreneurship, although there's still an undertone of hustle, which I think will never go away, but um, I think today's entrepreneur and leader are are so much more mindful of what they want. And the measures of success aren't just the money or that top right title or this thing that that used to be, but really looking at your measures, right? One of my measures, I don't want to build my business, but not ever be there for my daughter. You know, I wanted a business where I was volunteering in her sports and in her classrooms, I didn't want to look back on her childhood and go, wow, I was never there. 
oh, I produced a lot of money and we went on trips. I mean, that's a positive, right? But the magic word is and. I love the word and because I want the, the money and the trips, right? And what the beautiful things that money creates. But especially if you're a mother or a father or in relationship with someone, they need your time. They need you present, right? And um, I was just uh, talking to a, a client about this very thing. He's killing it in revenue. Doubled, uh, doubled his business in the last year. I mean, just wonderful in revenue. And here's the pride moment. After 30 years in this business, he is fulfilling on values, his values, like he's never done before because he didn't have measures around his, his values, like what that actually looks like. So, you know, what you measure your business by is revenue is one, but you have to have other measures that tell you that you're succeeding in other ways than just revenue. Yes. Yes. And, you know, finding that support to help you do that, you know, somebody like Dina right here with coaching to help hold that accountability because the time just goes by and it's so easy, I think, to look back and be like, oh my gosh, like, how did I miss this? It, it can be really hard to be intentional because you can't see the forest for the trees when you're up that close in it. Uh, I, I feel that so intimately, you know, I'm getting ready to be a mom for the first time. I'm due June 1st, so we're getting ready for it. And I have my first, you know, traditionally published book coming out this fall. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how is that all going to work? But I have to have hope, you know, that there's a way that you can have both. It is the and. It's going to be messy. I need to ask for help in that, you know, but it can be the and. So I particularly resonated <laughs> sharing that. Yes. And it. You know, I, I, I uh, started on a health journey, a uh, next level, you know, coming out of COVID last summer, I, you know, I was looking just at, I'm, I'm turning 50 and I was turning, I was, I just wanted, I wanted another level. I was like, I'm going to turn 50 really strong. I wanted to be strong and fit and coming out of COVID. I did not feel strong and fit. And, you know, I said, how? I mean, you know, we go to the place of like, how could this happen? Um, getting getting in shape and strong and transforming eating when you're already so busy, right? But don't look at it like how. Look at it as um, how can I make this happen? Who do I need to, you know, uh, solicit? Right. I have a nutrition coach. I have a fitness coach. Without them, I wouldn't have hit hit my goals. Right. So whether it's an accountability partner, it's a coach, it's a best friend, it's someone in your business, you buddy up. Accountability is key. I would have never hit my fitness goals in that six months without amazing support. And sometimes I was doing things between clients. I only had 45 minutes between a client. And I was like, Instead of listening to the smallness that said, oh, you can't work out in that time. You'll never be able to do that. I go, what can I do? What can I do in 20 or 30 minutes? Mm. I have tons of workouts that I can do. Kill it in 20 or 30 minutes, right? So I, you know, weight training has now become a part of my life and my coach, my nutrition coach and my fitness coach, um, it's a new lifestyle. And I started small. 
And I started with 15 minutes and 30 minutes and then one day a week and then up to three days a week. And then I laid on the, the right eating right. But part of being a leader and being an entrepreneur and being a mom and all these roles that start to add up, right? The layers start to add. It's more and more important that you get a grip on your self-care. Yes. Your body needs sleep. I have a, no negotiation around eight hours of sleep. What you, If you saw my schedule, what I produce in a day, the amount of clients and speaking engagements and facilitations and podcasts, you would think, oh God, you sleep three hours. I sleep eight hours. I don't negotiate, negotiate around it. And that's how you <laughs> have to get around your self-care. I'm not negotiating with this anymore. I am going to get my health back or my sleep back or whatever it is that you need to be your greatest self. Yes. Yes. It's a non-negotiable, absolute priority. And I love this piece that you're sharing too about investing in yourself. I think it's a smallness mindset too, to be like, no, I can, man, I can do this on my own. No, hire the people who can hold you accountable, who have that expertise, whether it's a fitness coach, a career coach, whatever it is, your other two pieces of these pillars, this marketing sales plan piece, and also this systems piece, speak a little bit to me about investing in these other things to help you grow. Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs and people in the corporate space who are trying to do it all. And they are drowning as a result of it. So how can you utilize other sources of support to help take you to that next level? Yeah. So I, you know, when I started coaching about 20 years ago, um, I was doing a lot more than these three. And, you know, over the years, I think we all, you know, refine ourselves and refine our services and get good at certain things and want to let go, you know, and, and through the years, you know, I really love these three. It, mm -hmm. It's where I thrive. It's where I'm most effective, but also it's the three, when you talk, when you're talking about building a business, it really is these three that make the stool, right? Mm -hmm. That and if you're missing one of these legs, you're going to topple over, right? Mm -hmm. So the sales and marketing, that's your revenue gain. And if you're not building revenue, you're building a hobby. You better understand your marketing and who you are serving and solving problems for and getting out in front of them on a consistent basis. That marketing game takes consistency and systems, right? And sales is separate. You know, marketing is an attraction conversation and sales is a conversion conversation. Mm -hmm. Sales is how are you actually, um, how are they buying from you, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're, selling products or services that those steps and the clarity of how to buy from you. And just like McDonald's, we all have to be consistent. If, if you are just winging it, you're probably exhausted. Yes. You know, it, it, you got to have a way you market and a way you sell and a way you pay your bills and a way that you, you know, there's uh -huh. ways that you do your business and those become your systems. This is how we pay our bills. This is how we invoice our clients or right. So it's really when it, marketing and sales is all about building revenue and being clear in that game that you are playing. And whether again, you have a hundred thousand dollar sales goal or a $10 million or $50 million sales goal, 
that sales system has got to be well-oiled and it's got to be consistent. So that's one is the revenue. And then the mindset and leadership is our business is only as good as our mindset. So if you're living in smallness stories like, I can't do this, or I'm too dumb, or I'm the wrong color, or I'm the wrong, I'm from the wrong family. What am I doing? Or I'm winging it. I I, I don't feel smart enough, right? Or what about that guy? They they've hit five million, and I'm only at eight hundred thousand. I should quit, right? All of those smallness stories that make us very disempowered and derails our train, right? You've got to get the train back on your greatness uh, track. And starting to feed your greatness by, you know, being around people that are empowering to you. You know, can we just talk about toxic people? There's toxic entrepreneurs that are fueling those narratives of you better hustle 20 hours a day and you have to be the best and the revenue is the only thing that counts. I mean, you can listen to them that this (laughs) I'm telling you, you're going to burn out. It's not a game worth playing, but surround yourself with. Um, people who their relationships matter, their values matter, their revenue matters, their team and how they're leading their team. You know, does your team hate how you lead and they're like tolerating you and they're tolerating working for you? It's not probably a great business environment that you're creating. You got to course correct that and you can course correct that. So that mindset leadership piece is crucial to your effectiveness, your team, your brand, your reputation, how people are attracted to you and how you build your business. Um, And then the third piece is systems and why systems are so important from the admin systems, like I said, the sales systems to the um, quality assurance systems, every, all of those systems that create a well-oiled machine is one, it helps you to scale your business. You can scale things that are that you can duplicate, right? If everything's in your head, how are you going to delegate that to other people, right? So it, to scale, to make more money, to make more impact, you've got to have save, uh, systems. But who has time creating systems? Right? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to do that. I mean, I'll tell you a, a fun story, and it, it's a brand that you might know, but. Um, Russ Perry, who's the CEO of designpickle.com, he was, he saw me speak at a conference and said, you know, I want to coach with you. And um, he he said, I have this idea in my head for graphic unlimited graphic design, and no one is doing it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they're making flyers and they're making social and they're they need all these graphics, but graphic design is expensive. So he's like, I want to do unlimited graphic designs for $400. And long story short, we I helped him pull this idea out and we created systems. The key to that business exploding was systems. And I said, I remember the first time I said, uh, we were you know about to launch and I said, he was worried about just getting his first five clients, right? And uh, I said, I want you to create systems for a hundred, like you are sustaining a hundred clients. He goes, I haven't even gotten my first five yet. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, why would I, why would I create a system for a hundred? And I said, because this is what's going to happen. You're going to get your first five and then you're 10. And then a week later, you're going to get 30 
And you're not going to want to stop and go, oh my God, I don't have the systems. And now we're a complete mess, right? You're going to have the systems ready for your first hundred. And um, so you can get that scale and that revenue. And then, and then we can scale those systems up. Well, long story short, he now has thousands of clients and he has 550 employees. Oh my gosh. So it, you know, it, it, it but you, you have to stay, the story is to tell you how important your systems have to be ahead of your business, right? So if we were building a house, if we had a first of a, a one story house and we were building a second story, you have to get the infrastructure, the framing up there first, and then we're going to build that second story and all the stuff in it, right? But that framing is our in infrastructure. And he was that perfect, he's such a great entrepreneur and he's written a, a book, so The Sober Entrepreneur. It's amazing, his CEO journey. Um, but we learn, we have to learn these things. We're not born knowing it. No. So everybody who wants to scale and, and this is their year to really grow, what I'm telling you right now is get some of those systems infrastructure in place for your growth. Mm, that is great advice. And I so hear it tied in with the number two piece. I heard that smallness mindset coming out. I'm just trying to get my five clients. And you said, no, greatness mindset, hundred and more, you know? So I love that. One thing I wanted to ask you about too, speaking of smallness mindset, ooh, I see this come up a lot for women and with finances. I had a client just the other day Kudos to her. She brought up in session, Lauren, I need help around my finances. I am noticing so much shame around it. And I know you help found this Girls Rule Foundation where you specifically help girls and women, you know, with things like finances. What advice do you have maybe for, for a woman listening in today and she's noticing a smallness mindset and our gentlemen too and, and other people who could be tuning in that they're noticing that pop up, especially with the money piece. So I was just talking to someone the other day about what is the, if I could say the biggest area of business that people are disempowered around, it's money. And I think it really comes from, you know, our, our childhoods. I don't think there's a lot of parents that are having very, good, clear, strong conversations around money, right? How to earn it, how to save it, how to invest it, how to spend it wisely, how to run on a budget, how to stay out of debt. I don't know about you, but my parents weren't teaching me that. I had to learn that in my 20s and 30s, right? Yep. So, and then when you start to, you know, build a business, it's a whole nother level of financial literacy. So um, starting the Girls Rule Foundation we are uh, leadership skills, financial literacy skills, and then self-esteem skills. Those are the three pillars in that, um, mainly to uh, middle school, high school, and college girls. And that financial literacy piece is a big piece, especially with girls and women, because it's just a place in general, in generally speaking, that women and girls are disempowered around. They're disempowered around asking for money, asking for promotion, asking for the sale, right? Um, owning their sales game. When I'm, at, when I'm at a conference speaking to women entrepreneurs, I talk about 
owning, giving ourselves permission to play big sales games and, and revenue, right? And, um, and there's, I, I love talking about money. I love helping people have breakthroughs around money because it, you can do so uh, good when you do well, right? Let's do well in our business. So then we can do good. I can, I can have a foundation, right? And some philanthropy because I do well in my business. So I can, you know, it, it's so, it's so good. We can do great things with our money. But the framing of it has to move from smallness to greatness. You know, the the narrative of money is evil and all of, I don't even want to repeat them. They're so disempowering, right? (laughs) Yes. Money can be great. You You can build jobs. We need great jobs, great leaders who are building great companies and offering great jobs and great workplaces. How you do that is because you're killing it in your revenue. You can hire more people. So we need jobs, right? It creates that. It creates amazing ministry and philanthropy uh, things. Whatever is moving your heart, whether it's ministry stuff with your church or uh, philanthropy, the cause that moves you, you can start to give time, money, energy to it. Why? Because your business is a well-oiled machine and you're killing it. And now you can take all, one of my, one of my clients, one of my most just my proudest moments is when my clients can say I can start playing a philanthropy game that I'm proud of. Yeah, it's so exciting when someone says I can write a fifty thousand dollar check or a five thousand dollar check or five hundred. It doesn't matter what it is, but like here's the cause. It moves my heart. I'm starting to give to them on mm-hmm. a regular basis. How proud of a moment is that for you? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the what, you know, as a coach and someone who just want, I want to inspire you. You don't just make an impact in with your team, of course, and your clients, of course, but the bigger picture of you, who you are in your community, your state, your country. Um, you know, I've spoke all over the country uh, for Girls Rule, representing and advocating for girls and helping girls, you know, own their leadership and, and getting more girls into leadership. Um, I had no idea 20 years ago I was going to do that, but I I really honed in on that cause and owned it, and and I'm I'm leaning into that, right? So I encourage people to do that. Is is think about a cause that really moves your heart, breaks your heart. You want to do something about it, and start with a hundred dollar check. If you if you're not making a ton, start with time instead of money, mm-hmm. and then move to money, right? Um, part of my big giving wasn't necessarily like, I can't, I'm not to the point where I'm writing $500,000 philanthropy checks, but guess what I can do? I can create a fundraiser that does that. I can create an event because entrepreneurs are awesome and I can create, right. I can create a, a big event and the money goes to philanthropy, right? So it could be a dinner party that you get. 15 or 20 or 30 people around and all the proceeds, you know, you charge and all the proceeds go to your charity, the charity that you love. So I don't want to go off on that, but I just think it, it brings meaning, you know, it, it breaks that hustle mentality of like everything's about money and everything's about business and comparing yourself. Let's start creating new measures of impact. And that's, that's one of them is go and go and get, find a cause that you love. 
that that hits so home. I love that. And, and it helps us break too out of that scarcity mindset. You know, I think when we're in that small space, we're so protective over every dollar, you know, and it's not that it comes from a selfish place, but we're just so afraid to expand out and be so generous, even though that generosity, talk about a way to feel happiness. That's the way to do it, you know? So, oh, I think that's going to really inspire people today. I could keep talking to you for hours, Dina. I mean, I feel like everybody here just got a whole coaching session for free. So enjoy everyone. Uh, I might be hitting you up for some coaching myself as I enter this new season. One question we always end our show on for our guests, and it's, it's probably my favorite question to ask. Dina, what do you hope your legacy will be? Oh, gosh. I want my legacy to be hundreds of thousands of people who um, stepped into their purpose and their greatest self because some little thing I did or said, it was my book. It was, they saw me speak, you know, a little ounce of me out there. That is really my highest self is my highest calling is helping people find that purpose and their greatest self and being courageous to say yes to it. Mm. Mm, I hear the greatness mindset coming through in that so much. It's not the, I hope I impact one life, which is, it's great. Don't get me wrong. No, hundreds of thousands of people. Yes, greatness mindset. And I have no doubt you've already done that. If not, well, on your way to doing that, you certainly did it in my life today. So Dina, thank you for pouring so much wisdom into this space. I, I know this conversation is just going to be, I think transformative for people today. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Tell us where can we get in touch with you if people want to keep learning from you and connect with you? Absolutely. So my website is the easiest way, Dina, D-E-N-A, Patton, P-A-T-T-O-N, dot com. And um, you know what? If you are struggling with any of this in your business, right on my website, um, just schedule a call. Let's chat more about it. My book's on my website. You know, everything's on my website. I make it really easy. DinaPatton.com. Perfect. DinaPatton.com. I sent you a LinkedIn request too. So you're on LinkedIn as well, sharing your wisdom there. Dina, what a gift to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the Boardroom Brain Podcast. Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well if you'd like to experience this conversation visually. I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. Here's to fostering those healthy brains both in the boardroom and beyond.